When someone has wronged you, do you find it difficult to forgive them? In fact, how do you forgive them? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators, and I'm so glad you've joined us for this third of three podcasts featuring my interview with Mr. Willie Penner. Mr. Penner has remained faithful to his Lord throughout his 85 years, even though he was displaced from his home as a young boy in Poland, worked as a slave from ages 8 to 11, was in a concentration camp, and suffered hunger and fear on numerous occasions. Today he starts to conclude his story by relating how he went back to Poland and was able to forgive his former captors by looking to Jesus as his example. I had such a poor self-esteem of myself because all the boys at my age, man, they could do so much, everything better than I could. And I felt so worthless. And I think what God was trying to tell me said, hey, I protected you through World War II. I brought you here. Uh, I'll go with you. I'll be with you. I'll do my part. Mm-hmm. And you know, there were other things, just like uh, I had that stroke uh, three years ago. Uh, they did the TPA on me. 24 hours I was back home. I could have got hopped on my bicycle. Mm-hmm. It was miraculous. You know, oh, and that I had a collapsed lung uh, just. Uh, the third, fourth time a few months ago. <clears throat> and they did, the, again, the, uh, that was pneumothorax, right? Is that what they call it? Yes, right. And uh, they finally decided there was a problem, and so they shipped me to Wichita. And they, what do they call it, a pleurodosis? Uh, pleurodesis. Huh? Pleurodesis. Yep. Uh, vets, and that was a very painful situation, but... While I was going through this painful situation, my my youngest son, who uh, he's captain on a big airliner, Airbus 330, flies worldwide, he took off. Mind you, he, he canceled one of his trips so he could stay with me all week in the hospital. I tell you, that was so special because my wife needed help at home, you know. And while I was going through this painful surgery, I made up my mind what I was going to focus in on. I was going to focus in on what Jesus went through on the cross, what he must have gone through in part mm-hmm. physically. But in addition, you know, the pain of of carrying our sinfulness on the cross, the spikes that were nailed nailed them to the cross, I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, because I even had an anesthetic, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was good for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helped me. It helps me to feel with people that I visit now, for the last ten years. You know, what they're going through. So tell me about that. You've you've chosen to invest your life in other people's lives, and you do visitation. Tell me a little bit about that, if you'd like to. Well, uh, ten years ago, our local minister. And uh elder came, um, and I said, hey, we've got something I want to talk to you. We wondered if you would consider visiting people, you know, from our church mainly who are sick or in health care center. So we have a lot of people that are older. I, I go, uh, I've learned to allow God to orchestrate the contacts. You know, it's beautiful 
that I can rely on him. You know, he uh, he orchestrates the agenda, and I just need to catch on, which I don't often not do, you know. <laughs> but uh, in the mornings when I wake up, or even at when I get up in the middle of the night and I have my devotions, I talk to God. I become sensitive to the, you know, Saturday evenings. Uh, God orchestrated a situation in our neighborhood where uh, a lady uh, brings the songbooks and at eight, seven o'clock in the evening, Saturday evening, uh, some couples come to our place, to our driveway. We have a big driveway here. And we sing hymns, even some uh, folk songs and hymns. And uh, those have me read a passage of scripture, you know. We share concerns, we pray. Then after we're through, after an hour, we visit for another hour, share together. And God is using that. And Tell me about the issue of forgiveness and how you deal with that when you went back to uh, Poland, I believe. Okay, well, the last time we were in Poland, I've been in Poland four times, you know, just uh, not on tours, but uh, went there. I've made friends with the descendant of the people that took our farm from us. I mean, those people are gone already. I met them when we went there July the 4th, 1976. My wife, Jerry, and I went. My dad was even along yet. And uh, it was a little awkward, you know. But that was one big thing, you know. They took these things from us. and uh, But this individual, he's a step-grandson to the family that took our farm. And so we became good friends. And uh, I want to show you the picture later on where he just, uh, we'd have our arms around each other, mm. you know. <clears throat> this last time was nine years ago, uh, 2012. You know, they all take trips after they graduate. So his choice was, Dad, Grandpa, why don't you and I go to Poland? Show me where you grew up. I said, okay. So we met in Germany because he was ahead of me already. And uh, we were in Berlin. And so I bought two tickets for each of us to buy train to go to Warsaw. And on the way, I called uh, my host, uh, his daughter speaks English, and I said, hey, tell your dad to come get us from there. But he also, this host has had arranged a meal in the village for me. And, you know, it's been, uh, what, 70 years ago since I've left. But there were still people there that I could connect with. And um, the awkward thing was, she says, uh, where we're going, one of those guys who still remembered me, he just wept that we're coming. And boy, I quickly tried to figure out who it was and uh, what was that all about. And I figured out that he was part of a gang that uh, gave me a tough time, you know. And so I wondered, how in the world are we going to handle this, you know. So, <sighs> not speaking Polish fluently anymore. When I got there, I could tell who he was. I just walked up to him without saying a word. I just gave him a big bear hug. And that's how we reconciled. Man, we, in, in no time, mm -hmm. that was the best way to get rid of your enemies is uh, to reconcile. Was that hard? Like a friend hard. for me. Oh, yeah, on your part, was it hard to do that? No. I mean, I already had forgiven him years ago. Mm. I mean, like them taking our farm and everything. Right. 
Uh, and I don't know, I'm not speaking for my parents, but uh, I think they too had to face this themselves somehow. Right. And even this day and time, I mean, I stayed 34 years in one school system. I had made up my mind, I mean, being a principal, you know, you're going to entail a lot of people conflicts between teachers, children, and parents that uh, a lot of times I just don't walk away from a conflict. I just uh, face it. Get on the phone and make a call. Got in trouble with uh, children. I I tried to make the telephone call to home to the parents before the kid got home. I'd have a distinct advantage. (laughs) In uh, the times that we're living in, about uh, two years ago, no, a year ago, my wife and I decided to fast. It was uh, April 21, uh, 2020. And while a day that we fasted uh, for 24 hours, I, I took it serious. And so I tried to put my thoughts on paper. And my thought was, you know, uh, we are told to wear masks in this time through the virus and distance ourselves. And I thought to myself, you know, God is telling us exactly the opposite. You know, the problem is that when we get so involved with each other, we forget God. God is totally out of the picture. And so uh, God gets greatly offended. And so he says, uh, come to me. Come to me. Draw close to me. Draw, I'll get thirsty for you. You know, these people come to, come to church to worship me with their lips, but they don't, they don't know about anything about me, is the verse that says. But there's one passage of Scripture that I think contains the formula of when we drift from God, even as believers. And that is, I think, Second Chronicles 7, 13, 14, and 15. I, I do read the New Living Translation a lot, but in this case... I, I got it out of the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. The reason I like it is because they capitalize the pronoun for God. But anyhow, it says, now here are three examples of, how, of what God can do to initiate circumstances in the world, how he can call us back. If I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, you know, bring drought, on a time, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, that's kind of resembles uh, COVID nineteen, doesn't right. it? Right. Yeah. If my people then, who are called by my name, will do four things: will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, and will turn from their wicked ways, then. What will happen? Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will hear their land, and even personally. I think it works on a personal level. And then he says, Now my eyes will be open, and my ears will be attentive to their prayer that will be offered in this place. But even David said uh, one place, if I had not confessed my sin, the Lord would not have heard my prayer. Right. I think that is so critical. 
that's something that I personally practice, you know. I search my heart. Where have I wronged God or where have I wronged anyone, you know? I need to take care of that first. Interesting thing that happens to me, you know, we talk to God. Does God really listen? I had quite an experience about two years ago. I was sound asleep. Of course, I I take my hearing aids out, and I have a bare hearing deficit. You know, I take my hearing out for the night. So I tell you, I don't hear much when I go to sleep and I put my CPAP on. I was sound asleep, and about it was 3.15, exactly 3.15 in the night. I felt a firm touch on my body. Man, I just jumped out of bed. I sat on the side, and before I could formulate the question in my mind as to, you know, who did this? Who's doing this to me? The voice already answered loud and clear. God touched you. Man, I could hear it without my hearing aids. God touched you. Wow. It was so special to have God touch me. I can tell he's he's listening to me. <laughs> now, my goal is to listen to him. Yeah. What was your um, takeaway from that? I guess just the fact that God oh, really is there. I'm still yeah. asking that question. <laughs> yeah. I'm still asking that question. Mm-hmm. God is listening to me. Yeah, and, you know, just like... Uh, the Bible, Moses encountered God, burning bush. You know, God gets our attention one way or the other, you know, and we need to be sensitive to this. Listening to God uh, at a time when we know we're not going to be disrupted. At night when I'm by myself, the phone is not going to ring, it seemed like God was saying, hey, that's a good time for you to have your devotions, mm. 3.15 at night. Mm. I'd say more than half the time, uh, it seems like God even wakes me up. I go up here. I go uh, to uh, take my Bible, my devotion book, go into the bathroom. No one knows. No human being knows that it's just God and me. Yeah. My God and I. I have that on my vehicle. My God and I. Mm. <clears throat> Special time. It's a beautiful time. Mm-hmm. And I think back, I go through this whole life story that I experienced with God, how he was with me. God has been very good to me. And so, my goal in life is to bring him honor and glory, to to, to, uh, not call attention to myself, my story, you know. In this day and time, people are so eager to do things and get the glory, you know, make the front page. Mm. Uh, I mean, doing things good. Right, right, yeah. The only way they can make the front page and a lot of times is do something bad, you know. <laughs> Here you are, Willie. What, what is your age right now? I'm turning 85, uh, I think it's next week. 85. You're still faithfully walking with the Lord. Oh, yes. Faithfully close. investing in Him. I'd say closer all the time. And my wife and I, we have morning devotions every morning. Years ago, I said, oh, do we have to have devotions? We got this thing going every sun every day, and she's been very good at encouraging us to do it. And actually, now I I look forward to it. That's one way God speaks to both of us. You yeah, know, yeah. we both pray together. Sometimes our family calls home, our children call home with a concern, with a need, and uh, you know, there's something better than just tell, telling people I'm going to pray for you. You do it right away. 
you pray right over the telephone with them. During this last year, I couldn't go visit people. At the best, I could call people up on the phone and I could pray with them over the phone, you know. It's uh, beautiful. We have concerns in our parking lot sing on Saturday nights. You know, people voice their situations that we pray for, cancer. And since all of us are pretty well at this uh, 80 stage, uh, you know, all of us struggle with health issues. But God will walk with us. The Lord has been my shepherd through life. Even when I used to herd cattle, he was my shepherd. Mm -hmm. And he will continue to be my good shepherd when I cross the, so to speak, the Jordan. There's nothing to be afraid of. Looking back over your life of many experiences, what do you thank the Lord for? Oh, my list my list gets longer. That's how God answers prayer. Yeah. Thank him. Yeah. I had a bad knee. I had an injection. That lasted a while. I prayed. I said, Lord, I've prayed for many other people. Can you help me with my knee? He did. My tooth was hurting, my molar. It's been a month now my tooth quit hurting, you know. Yeah. Uh, it seems like when I really am obedient to the Lord and follow that Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen formula, right. God is more, he listens. He's mm. more eager to, mm. uh, but that's how he gets our attention. Right, right. Do you thank him for the all the difficult times you've been through? Yeah. Back in Poland? Oh, yeah. In Germany? Yeah, I... Coming to the U.S.? Yes. Uh, there's absolutely no bad feelings. And when I look back, had I not gone through difficult times, just think how good we have it now. I mean, we have a nice place to live. We have, uh, I've got a family of about 33. Uh, my wife's got health issues, but we help each other. And uh, we're thankful we can at this point, you know. Right, right. Uh, she helped me a lot, boy, in those early years. Spelling was extremely difficult for me. That's how difficult, painful things have served a good purpose, mm-hmm. you know. Right. When we can see that, uh, all the bitterness leaves us, you know. Right, right. What would you say to someone, maybe a young person starting out in their life, encountering difficulties, difficulty finding a job, difficulty with relationships? Uh, what advice would you give them? Yeah, that's a good, very relevant question in this day and time. You know, so many kids <clears throat> grow up in homes that are just uh, fractured, you know. There's no father. Several fathers, you know, parents and yet not wanted home. They grew up not being taught spiritual skills, you know, uh, becoming Word of God and so. So you're at some stage in life. Where do you begin, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm sure God gives us opportunities along the way to uh, don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. I mean, I did it uh, my initial encounter when I went attended camp. I used to use the excuse, oh, I don't want to make an experience or a, a profession of uh, taking Christ into my heart because I'm still struggling in my language and reading, you know. But, you know, we all specialize in excuses, you know. Do it now. When you have an opportunity, God will pro- most likely put you in somebody's way or somebody 
put you, uh, come into your life who will help you, mm-hmm. a friend, a minister, or somebody. Yeah. Uh, be willing to surrender. Uh, if you did a terrible thing, sometimes uh, we need to do a bad enough thing to convince ourselves that we're not as good as we think we are. Now, having said that, uh, obviously we, nobody needs to rush out there and do something bad because <laughs> right. if we truly look through God's eyes, through the, with the Holy Spirit, uh, all of us are guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Jesus died for us. He, he can handle the biggest mistakes we've made. Right. And uh, then follow him. You know, He's more than eager to go with us through life, mm-hmm. to help us. Yeah, we're living it in different times. And I realize we are talking to different age people right now, you know. Young people, it's one thing. Each generation wants to establish their own uh, identity, you know. Like a church, you know, I prefer hymns, you know. Young people, uh, maybe not all, prefer the newer music. uh, And so there's a lot of uh, friction at times. But I think it's important that we accommodate one another, you know. Uh, the passage I'm thinking about especially is uh, Philippians 2, where Jesus, follow his example. It says in Philippians 2, you know, Jesus, he had position. He was God's son, right? But he surrendered that position, and he was willing to become a slave, a servant, a slave, to accommodate us, you know, uh, to do simple work. You know, are we willing to surrender our egotistical? Why are we so competitive? In the spiritual sense, I feel like competition doesn't have a place because we always want to climb on top of uh, other people, you know. We're supposed to help each other. Uh, Another in New Corinthians, it says, There's no greater love than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, like Jesus again. Good Samaritan is a good example. You know, the story goes... Seminary had assigned their students a sermon outline about the Good Samaritan. And it's supposed to be about 10 minutes long, given in a couple of weeks. And they all came to class that day to give that sermon. But on that sermon day, the teacher had made a special uh, outline. He aligned uh, construction places uh, to where the, te- the people had to come a certain sidewalk. To get to the class, and along the sidewalk there was a uh, a very needy situation, a person who was disabled, and so every one of these people who came to class, they gave their sermons, they made an A on the sermon, but they got an F. Why? Well, you went to, you came to class, you saw that laying there in need, you didn't even see him, you didn't help him. We have a lot of biblical knowledge but we haven't put everything into practice. Man, to me that speaks loud. It is. Willie repeatedly told me during his interview that his goal in life was to bring God glory and to serve Him, not to call attention to his own story. We so appreciate his humble attitude and desire to glorify the Lord. You know, in closing, I wanted to share with you the passage to which Willie referred in the interview, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Quote, 
Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. End quote. Join me next time as we hear from Dr. Richard Spann in an all-new interview as he shares further insights on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the Navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.